Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. God takes your soul, you're on your own. A crow flies straight, a perfect line. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and happy 4th of July. This is Brian Tarvin, host of Way In Sports Talk, and we are live tonight, and we're going to have a lot of things to discuss that happened this past week since the last time we, we aired was last Sunday. A lot has happened in that seven days, so we want to come back, talk about everything, and again, hope everyone out there had a great 4th of July weekend. Hope it was safe. Hope you had time with the family. And we're going to have a great show tonight. I'm not sure how long we'll go, but just bear with us tonight. It is a holiday weekend, so we didn't want to miss two shows in a row. So I'm here with you right now. I'm not sure if I'll have a co-host or not, but we'll see. Hopefully we will. If you'd like to call in, the call in number 646-716-5564. Love to hear from you. And tonight's main talk is going to be college football. NFL football, so it's it's almost time. It's twice July the fifth today, or sixth today. So just think, just about seven more weeks, we're going to have some college football, and every week it's going to get hotter and hotter on this show. We're going to talk about recruiting. We're going to preview all of the main teams in college football. We're going to discuss the playoffs. We're going to do it all away in sports talk. That's that's what we do on our show. We're a college football show. And we, we do focus on NFL as well. But if you want football talk, you better come here first. We can say anything we want to say. We don't have to sugarcoat anything for you. Um, we just tell you the truth about certain things where, where other networks can't. We can. And, and that's why I love Block Talk Radio. I love bringing you a show every week. And it's just fun. So, again, 646 Five five six four is the call-in number, so make sure you join us tonight. Get in the chat room right now. Um, ask questions there. Engage with the other other chatters in there. There's a lot. Of, sometimes there's there's a lot of people. Sometimes there's not. But especially during college football, if you don't feel like talking, it's a great place to go in there and chat with us and chat with everybody else. All the other football addicts like myself. And Fourth of July week is coming and gone, and and that's when I look at at everything and say, okay, football's close. When when the fourth comes and goes, football is close. And one thing I want to – I said the last show about arrest, or it could have been the show before last, the month of July really concerns me as a college football fan with all the arrests that takes place in college and the NFL, actually. It's just something about the month of July. It's, it's close to the training camps. It's close to – ball practice and I just don't get it. People can't stay out of trouble and it started with Jonathan Mincy at Auburn getting arrested on a drug charge and all of a sudden that got kind of overlooked with the death of Philip Lutzenkirk and and that happened last weekend and he had a great service by the way. Just wanted to throw that out there. A lot of Auburn fans and just family and friends came uh, to say goodbye to Philip Heard it was heard it was awesome. So, again, condolences out to his family. And then that was overlooked. But shortly after that, we have, you know, Alabama player um, 
Drake getting arrested, but it wasn't as big as people thought. You know, you just hear someone gets arrested, and then when you look at it, what the guy did was he, he just didn't listen to a cop. He he went across and, and crossed the line where a cop was doing an investigation. He didn't really care, and, and Drake's been in, in Saban's doghouse for a long time, and and I think he's he's probably the best running back on that team. But for some reason, he can't get on Saban's good side. He can't keep his nose clean. Here he is making headlines. He's arrested. And, again, it, it's not, a like, a huge deal if you look at it. It's not like he's going to have prison time or anything. But, but, but to me, it it just shows that why he has trouble with Nick Saban's because he can't follow rules. And I think we have our co-host, Trey Patterson, on the show. Trey, how are you, sir? Mr. Trey Patterson. I don't think Trey's with us. He'll be back in just a second. Trey, hit number one when you when you get a chance to when you're here. Trey's in the studio. I'm sure he's wrapping up a couple of things before he comes on. But, but it wasn't a big arrest or anything. But the thing is, I don't think Saban's going to tolerate it anymore. If you're trying to get in Saban's good side, on Saban's good side, you're not going to go off and get arrested for disobeying a cop's orders. I mean, it just shows you don't have any respect for authority, and I think that's the problem he had at Alabama so far, why he's not on the field. And everybody always asks that question. And I know Alabama kind of keeps things close to the vest sometimes internal, but if you wonder why Drake's not playing a lot, it's easy to see now. And the big question, will Saban – tell him to hit the road, and if, if so, who's going to pick up Drake? He's a great running back, but if you can't play and, and obey with Nick Saban, if, if you can't go to Alabama and play and follow the rules, where are you going to be able to go to? He might be a case if he gets kicked off, he'll have to go to JUCO because I don't think anybody wants to touch him. I mean, it's it's just one of those things where where you look at it and you, you, you can't pay attention to authority, you can't respect authority, you're not going to be playing college football for Nick Saban in the SEC. So it'll be interesting to see. I think Saban boots it. I think he's had enough of it. So we'll see about Drake. If you'd like to call in, 646-716-5564. Love to hear from you tonight. And, and some more arrests going on as well at Ohio State University, the Ohio State University. For some reason... I don't know what it is. Urban Meyer recruits thugs. I mean, it, let's be honest. Let's let's not even sugarcoat it. Another player arrested for Urban Meyer, and and his legacy one day is going to go down as as being, I think, a coach that recruits thugs and thieves and and just criminals. If you look at his tenure at Florida, thirty one arrests while he was there at Florida. And I was reading an interesting article tonight. You just don't think of it. It adds up so much. But during his tenure at Ohio State, I'm seeing 19 arrested, some kind of – and I'll go through, I mean, a couple of them. Back in 2012, Dominic Clark, drunken disorderly conduct, drunk driving. Uh, Let's see another Derwan Gambrell assault back in 2012. And here's my favorite, too, Jack Newhorton. Jake Stoneburner, both public urination, uh, Storm Klein, domestic violence, Barante Dunn, possession, Savon Pittman, investigation for rape, Kyle Dodson, investigation for rape, Michael Thomas, investigation for rape, uh, David Perkins, trespassing, mischief, 
Marcus Ball, MIP, Possession of Fake ID, Carlos Hyde, Assault and Battery, Bradley Roby, Battery, Von Bell, Open Container, uh, Tim Gardner, Possession of Obstruction of Official Business, Lease Program, Najee Murray, August 2013, Violation of Team Rules, Noah Spence, Positive Test for Ecstasy, um, Marcus Ball, Underage Consumption of Alcohol, and Tracy Springle, the latest one, Cocaine, Drugs, whatever you want to call it, here it is, Urban Meyer. And, I, and guys, I'm, tell me if I'm wrong here. I could be, but it just seems like to me Urban Meyer goes out and recruits great guys, athletes. I mean, I mean, five-star, four-star. But it seems to me, for some reason, when they get with him, and, and hell, I, I didn't even mention Aaron Hernandez at Florida. Cam Newton at Florida got kicked off the team. Uh, Aaron Hernandez murdered some people, it looks like, allegedly. And, I mean, just some of the violence at Florida he had. And I know Trey Patterson, my co-host here, is a big Florida State fan. He knows more about Urban Meyer at Florida than I do, being the rival to Florida State and all. But it just really concerns me that I think Urban Meyer's legacy is going to go down as, I mean, his players get arrested a lot. And he tries to sweep it under the rug. He tries to to deflect you with other things. But at the end of the day, Urban Meyer's easily it's not even close easily the most the coach with the most arrest in his tenure at major universities i haven't gone back to bowling green i haven't gone back to utah but from what i see at florida state and what i or florida and ohio state i see urban meyer the uh, guy that really has no control of a program and i see jonathan miklos a big florida state fan in the in the studio. Jonathan Press, number one, if you'd like to come on, buddy, I'd like to get your take on Urban Meyer as well as Trey's here. Jonathan, how are you doing tonight, Jonathan? Hope you had a good fourth. Oh, it was definitely a, a nice three-day week in a relaxation. When you work for two weeks straight, it's nice you can get two days off. <laughs> it is. But, man, I was coming back home today from Bristol, Tennessee, and, and and is it me or is this world filling up with more idiots on the road? I mean, I almost had two wrecks because because people are so stupid. Do you do you notice that? Does it get worse for you every day? Well, and I live in Florida, so I get to deal with tourists and snowbirds, and yeah, it has gotten worse and worse and worse. Yeah, I, I mean, no, seriously, I, had a, I almost had a heart attack today. I was having a car accident because someone. Uh, Here's the deal. You don't slam on your brakes when you're trying to turn left. I'll give a, some advice out there to everybody. But, Jonathan, thanks for joining the show. And I don't know if you heard about the latest out of Ohio State. Another guy arrested mm-hmm. for cocaine and involved in a big fight. So when I look back at Urban Meyer at Florida, 31 arrests, and now I'm just counting 19 at Ohio State. What does this say for Urban Meyer? It says that he's a coach that doesn't care about the rules. He just He recruits with talent and doesn't really care about you as an individual as a kid. Um, it, this isn't like University of Miami where people were getting in trouble and they, they were extremely talented, they were winning, and they were getting in trouble for stupid things. These kids are getting in trouble for, like, major offenses. I mean, cocaine possession and rioting, those aren't two charges that you just kind of look at and go, oh, boys being boys. No, 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 that's not boys being boys. <laughs> Yeah, I see a little possession of marijuana for a kid or whatever, but when you have that much cocaine, how much cocaine did the guy have? I honestly don't know. Let's leave it at this. He had to have had enough for the cops to be like, okay, so it's not baking soda. 
Yeah, as long as he wasn't trying to distribute, he should probably get off. But the thing is, the riot, the, the part with the big fight involved in that, it just makes me, if I'm Ohio State president, I'm looking at this decision of hiring Coach Urban Meyer. Really, what has he done at Ohio State if you look at it? I mean, he, he went undefeated a season on probation while he was on probation. Last year, he loses the Big Ten championship. He, he gets beat by Clemson in the Orange Bowl. So, really, I mean, what has he done except bring negativity to your program, really? Um, well, I mean, he has with the arrest and has lots of negativity. And when it came to the two biggest games of his tenure there, they, they lost both of them. Um, but at the same time, he's 24-2 and two, uh, since he's been in Ohio State. So I think you give him, you know, another year or two, see how it stretches out. But, I mean, if if we keep seeing this recklessness um, with his with his players, we're going to have to do something about it now. Here's one thing I do want to say, though, is that some of these guys who gotten arrested at Ohio State under Urban aren't his recruits. So I think we need to give him a little bit of a leeway there because it's amazing. The kids are getting in trouble at Ohio State when Trestle's there. You shouldn't hear about it. Yeah, he swept it under the rug, didn't he? Oh, he was great at it. And they tried to sweep that one. They tried to sweep this latest one under the rug. They just said, well, once it became rioting, they were like, oh, okay, we really can't hide this, especially when there was somebody – you have everybody's a reporter now. When you have all these wannabe reporters at the scene tweeting it out, you're like, oh, great. There's no sleeping here. Now, I just worry that, that his legacy, and I, I do believe Urban Meyer's a good football coach, Jonathan. I really do believe it. You mm-hmm. go back to Bowling Green. You go back to Utah. I mean, he wins where he goes. But mm-hmm. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, when we're talking about Urban Meyer, what are we going to remember? I mean, can you make that prediction now? Or you, do you feel bold enough to go ahead and make that prediction? Well, I think what we're going to remember Urban Meyer as, um, and of course, you know, we are speaking, you know, in the future at this point, is a, a, a fantastic coach, especially offensively, a fantastic coach, knew how to recruit players defensively, but looks the other way when it came to character issues. Um, you know, people claim Bobby Bowden did it. People claim Spurrier did it. But Urban's the one who's really getting slammed for it because his players have just been more prevalent. Um, but I think that's where I remember him as, as, as a fantastic coach who kind of won at all costs. You know what, I'm probably, unless something changed drastically, unless something changes, I'm going to remember him as the coach that faked an illness and, and wanted to spend more time with family because Nick Saban was in the SEC dominating him. And I think Urban Meyer will go down to me as the coach that, that ran away from the SEC up to Big Ten country, Jonathan. I mean, am I wrong for saying that? Um, I mean, uh, everybody <laughs> I know in Gainesville will tell you that he didn't run away from Nick Saban. Uh, it's from from what I know, he kind of had a Jeremy Pruitt situation, except uh, Urban was able to have like a real good excuse about it, and Pruitt, he was just kind of like, yeah, we're just going to throw this out there. you got to deal with this. <laughs> what do you mean but, the Pruitt situation? Honestly, are, you talking about the, are you talking about the co-ed? Oh, I haven't yeah, heard that Pruitt, about Urban Meyer. Tell me, tell me more. Uh, so I had a couple buddies up, in, up at University of Florida at the time, and what they were saying was, Urban was fooling around with some of his daughter's friends. Wife found out, and wife for his pants relationship and kind of beat up on him for a little bit. That was his fake heart attack. He got his wife knocked him around. Yeah. 
Well, man, that that sounds like Terry Bowden at Auburn right there, Jonathan. I mean, he was a great coach on the field, but, you know, I didn't know midgets could, could get the women like Terry Bowden could at Auburn, so... Yeah, it, it seems like it seems it seems like some of these coaches have a problem with that. You know, the just imagine how popular Urban Meyer was on campus at Florida. I mean, probably could have any Very. woman, any girl, any girl he wanted. I wouldn't say woman yet, but uh, any girl he wanted, and that's a lot of temptation for a man. You know, you better have a strong marriage before you before you make fun of somebody like him because it would be easy to go down there and and. Uh, make mistakes sometimes. But when you're a coach of a college football, it's like a president almost of the United States. You have that kind of power almost, especially where you mm-hmm. are. You, you're held you're held to a higher standard. You just don't do that. And mm-hmm. if Urban Meyer did struggle with that, I mean, I still wonder if he's doing that at Ohio State. Um, you know, I, I don't believe so, or else we probably would have heard about it. But like I said, it's all speculation. It's all rumors. At the same time, it's one of those things where you're like, you know what? I could see that because, like you said, they have so much power and authority that to these 21-year-old girls are just kind of throwing at you. They throw themselves at you. So you just got to worry about that. Well, I want to move off Urban Meyer here a minute, you know, in Ohio State, off of college football just for a couple minutes, Jonathan, and, and talk to you about Jimmy Graham at the New Orleans Saints. Jimmy's wanted mm-hmm. to be, you know, paid as a wide receiver. And, you know, he lost his, uh, not a pill, but it looks like they, an arbiter ruled on it and said he's going to get paid as a tight end. But looking at Jimmy Graham, mm-hmm. couldn't you pay him as a wide receiver, Jonathan? I mean, he's every bit worth the money he's making plus more. Yeah, though, no, I mean, well, see, Jimmy's problem and the reason why um, the arbitrator ruled the way he did, because Jimmy himself has classified. Jimmy has himself classified himself as a tight end. So you kind of look at it and you go, well, if you didn't, if you didn't uh, come out and, and call yourself a tight end and say, hey, you know, um, you know, look at my Twitter, I'm the starting tight end, yeah, well, you kind of threw yourself to the wolves. Um, <laughs> but the tight end position, what we have to remember is that Jimmy's an outlier. I mean, Jimmy Graham, Rob Gronkowski, and Brennan Davis are outliers when it comes to the tight end position. Most of them are two-way guys. They block, you know, 70% of the game. So he just needs to realize that, you know, he's a tight – he literally only made it to the NFL because he was tall to catch, you know, and he's the first person to ever try and fight this. Because I don't remember Antonio Gates fighting this. I don't remember Tony Gonzalez trying to fight this battle. So I think Jimmy Graham just needs to look at it and go, I'm making more money than I would if I would have stuck with basketball because he wasn't going to the NBA, and say, okay, I'm happy. I mean, that's the problem is these guys make it and they start getting greedy. Uh, you know, my my thing is with Jimmy Graham, the same thing I, I said with, with Drew Brees at the time. What's more important to you, winning or money? Because you're going to make millions. But don't you want to win while you're making millions? And uh, to, to me, Drew Brees and Jimmy Graham look like two selfish uh, individuals to me. And the Saints really need to figure out if they, can, uh, if they can trade Graham. And they need to get a replacement for Brees sooner or later because he's just getting old. Yeah, what do you do if you're New Orleans here? Do you, do you pay Jimmy Graham a lot of money, or I mean, it, I mean, it's a tough decision, especially with Drew Brees getting older. He's not going to be around much longer. So if you pay him all that money, Drew Brees leaves. Who are you going to pay to throw him the football? Right, right. That's that's definitely the problem. I mean, uh, you know, your backup quarterback's Chase Daniels, um, and you, you kind of look at him and be like, oh, well, Chase Daniels could you know, evolve into something. Chase Daniels has been in the league for like six years now. 
If he's not something by now, the odds are he's probably not going to be something for a while. This isn't a Josh McCown situation. Uh, it's not like Josh all of a sudden just had an epiphany and said, hey, look how great the quarterback I am. Well, when you're throwing to Brandon Marshall, Martellus Bennett, and Alshon Jeffrey, you look pretty good. Uh, it's hard It's hard to overthrow those guys. So uh, that's, the, you know, that's where you kind of look at it and go, what are the Saints going to do? When are they going to draft a quarterback to, to replace a need? Um, and, and like you said, what do you do with Jimmy Graham? If I'm the one, I try to trade him. I honestly, I do. I try to move him. Um, because I, you, know you, can get good, you know you can get assets for him because he is a revolutionary tight end, if you want to call it that. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like the mobile quarterback, the, you know, the read option quarterback in the NFL. It's a fad. Sooner or later, those, those, you know, those position players are, are going to go away. I don't think the read option quarterback's here to stay. We've already seen Vic with health injuries, RG3 has health injuries. This isn't some fad that's going to keep around. All right? Guys who are read option quarterbacks have been struggling. Yeah, and and I, I like Jimmy Graham. I, I think he's a, a good tight end, but that's what he is as a tight end. If he wants to be a receiver, he needs to come out, like you said, and classify himself as a receiver and see if the New Orleans Saints will reclassify him. But, you know, he, he was about 67% of his snaps he took was, you know, at the wideout position, it seemed like. But, again, he's a tight end. But, hey, in news in the NFL, it, it just doesn't get any better. We talked about arrest. Josh Gordon for the Cleveland Browns, a DWI, Jonathan. I mean, could it get any worse for this guy, really? I, you know, and it's a shame. It really is a shame because he's so talented. Um, but the signs were there. I mean, he got kicked out of Baylor. You know, and I get it. Baylor's a private um, uh, Baptist university, so they're going to be a little more strict when it comes to the rules. But he got kicked out of Baylor. You know, um, and he was a supplemental draft pick. When he when he got to the NFL, you kind of knew that he was going to get in trouble. And, and you 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 just uh, you, you you when you hear Dequell Jackson, you know, come up with somebody really needs you know this kid needs help. This is a 31 year old linebacker, nine year veteran in the league, who's telling you this kid needs help. RG three, you know, I'm going to stand by him. He's my brother and all that. Well, I mean. <laughs> Somebody needs to figure this out because, you know, Gordon's about to become Justin Blackman and never make it back to the league. Yeah. And and what I get this confused and tell me DUI driving under the influence. He was drunk and he was driving, got pulled over for speeding. So what's the difference for all the listeners out there that don't know Jonathan, including myself, what's a DWI compared to a DUI? A DWI is driving while impaired. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't know the, what the exact scientific <laughs> differences in are in them because at the end of the day, they punish you the same way. I don't know why they have two different ones. Maybe DWI is when you don't even have to take a breathalyzer. So going, damn man, you messed up. I mean, we already know. Like we don't even have to breathalyze you. You you just said hand drunk, and he did. He admitted it that he had had uh, three drinks. He blew a Point zero nine, which is the legal limit, uh, and I believe it's called in North Carolina, was point zero eight. Um, yeah. So he was, you know, a hundredth over. But at the end of the day, you just look at him, and you're like, you probably feel fine, don't you? Yeah, well, you're not. And there's a, the reason that we're doing this is because you smell like it, and you're about 50 and a 35. It wasn't like he was pulled over because he was swerving. pulled over because he was speeding. You know, they would have never known he was drunk if he was on the speed limit. That's why what the sad reality is. You know, Jonathan, if I'm drunk, or not, he wasn't drunk. He was, he was, 
you know, under the influence of alcohol, probably didn't affect him. But are you really going to go 70 at 3 a.m. in the 35? I mean, I mean, or excuse me, 50 in the 35? Aren't you going to go around 30? I mean, I know that's a, it kind of puts a light on you if you're going under the speed limit, but why not drive around the speed limit? I mean, these guys think they're above the law, mm-hmm. man, and if you're, if you're going, mm-hmm. why don't you get a cab? I mean, Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like all these, all these athletes, Trey's talked about it, Trey's harped on it. Why not go get a cab? Mm-hmm. You have money. You're not, you're not going to get arrested if you get a cab driver. It's not going to cost you anything. Mm-hmm. Come on. I mean, is he this stupid? Well, and that's that's always been my gripe with the with, with NFL players, and, and one part of me says I get it. Okay, you don't want to leave your car at, at, at a bar in the middle of the night. What's going to happen to it? But the other half of me says the free car service, and they'll also tow your car home. I mean, at the end of the day, doesn't that seem like a great idea? You know what? I'll pay the tow truck the two fifty. I know the NFL is going to pick up the taxi cab. Okay, so I have my car towed back to my house, not to worry about cab fare, and I don't have to worry about getting in trouble or nothing. I don't even have to worry about driving home. I mean, I, I'm sorry, but if I'm gonna get a little blitz, I don't want to drive nowhere. I want somebody. I want somebody to drive for me. That's the whole reason I'm blitzed because I don't want to go nowhere. Yeah, it's just. I mean, it's just sad, and you know, it doesn't help. I think before that, he was in there with Johnny Manziel and some other people. So here's here's some advice, Josh Gordon. Don't hang around with Johnny Manziel at all. Period. Wherever you are, bad things follow this kid. Do not do not hang around with Johnny Manziel. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Since since we're getting you know, we're talking about arrest and it's July. Jonathan, one of my biggest fears as an Auburn fan is is waiting, sitting here in July, waiting for these guys to go to practice and all of a sudden these guys mm-hmm. getting arrested. We we saw Jonathan Mincy get arrested a week ago. I mean, are you afraid being a Florida State fan when this time of year comes around, people start getting antsy, they start partying a little bit, it's summer, the beer's flowing, the the women are wild. What's going on? I mean, are you worried about Florida State right now? Well, usually this time of the year I kind of look at it and you're like, well, if somebody's going to get busted, I mean, hopefully, you know, it's something minor. You know, you like like what Mincy got nabbed for. You're like, please let it be something stupid. What I'm terrified of is reading about Jameis Winston in the news. I don't want to see his name mentioned on ESPN. I don't want to see it on a website. I don't want to hear it on the radio. Can I, I, you know, and Jameis done a great job. Ever since the you know the the, the whole Publix incident, um, he has done a great job of staying out of the news, except for good things. ACC Player of the Year. Um, you know, his dad wants him to play. You know, two more years the insurance policy, none of this is negative, and I love that. It's like finally Winston got a PR manager, and I think that's the problem, is we all wait for those star players to get in trouble. Because at Florida State, you're waiting for the Greg Rees and the A.J. Nicholson to, to come out. Get arrested for something stupid, the James Wilders. You're just like, okay, you got caught once. You got caught a second time. Really? You got caught a third time. Are you serious? I mean, that's what you're, wait- that's what you're afraid of. And with James, you already have two strikes essentially. The whole public perception is Jameis is on it is working on the third strike right now. So I, what we're doing at FSU is just hoping he can hit enough foul balls, you know, maybe get maybe look at a couple that are outside and get and you know walk on his way to the NFL without any further incident because we don't need that black eye. We just got a ring. We don't need people coming out of the woodwork coming after us again. You know how that is at Auburn. You win a championship, everybody comes after you and tries to take you down. We don't need that. Y'all don't need that. Ain't nobody need that. 
Yeah, it's a it's a bad time of of year for for everyone. Nobody's exempt. Everybody's vulnerable. So if you're out there, you're laughing at other teams getting arrested. Just wait. You know, we saw it with with Drake, and you weren't on when I talked about Drake for Alabama. I know it was something minor, Jonathan, but this guy's been in Nick Saban's doghouse since he stepped on campus. Do you think Drake's going to be around Alabama much longer? I don't know how much longer he is. Um, it's definitely something that I look at and I'm worried about. It's a shame, too, because, you know, Taylor brings these kids in, and he keeps them out of trouble. He really does. He does a great job of keeping kids out of trouble, making sure they do their thing. Um, move on to the next level. And when you hear about one getting in trouble, you just kind of look at it and go, how did that one slip through the cracks, and how can this be repaired? It's either, they were, it's either Saban does a good job of keeping them out of trouble or Saban does a good job of sweeping it under the rug. Which one is? Well, I'm sweeping. Yeah. What was that? Yeah, I think he's good at sweeping them under. He's good at, he's good at sweeping them under. He's a rug sweeper. He is. I mean, I, I, I think he is, and I, I could be wrong, but, but you know, in college football right here, Jonathan, and, and, you know, I had a discussion, you know, I won't name the name of the person, but I was in college football discussion group reading some stuff, and, you know, someone told me that recruiting really didn't matter in college football. It was all about developing players, and, you know, we, we talk about recruiting on this show religiously, don't we? I mean, I talk about recruiting, I follow recruiting and everything, but can you name me mm-hmm. a national championship team that didn't finish in the top ten in recruiting? Um, are we talking of, about all time? I'm talking about, no, I'm talking about like, let's say in the last, let's go 20 years, you know, or 15 years, whatever you want to go. But within, uh, I'm not saying every year, but I'm saying at least one of their classes had to have been a top ten ranking. They had to have talent. Can you name me a team that won a national championship in the last 15 years that didn't have good recruiting, great recruiting? See, Florida State, no. Um, Alabama, no. Auburn, how, I, I, y'all had to have a top ten, a top ten recruiting class, right? Yeah, we had, like, a top five and a top ten, and then we won a championship. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, who else we got out there? USC, we have uh, LSU. Oklahoma, LSU. I mean, Florida. They, yeah, they've definitely all been top ten recruiting classes, all of them. They're all big-name schools. It's not like we're talking about BYU back in, you know, 1980 either. Yeah, but, you know – I look at recruiting, and, and and before Auburn started playing for the championship in 2010 and 2014, you never saw them mm-hmm. contending for really championships. They were always a good eight to ten win team. They would they would recruit three stars, some four stars, and mm-hmm. and develop them mm-hmm. really well. And that's good enough to you know to sneak up on somebody one year and have a good nine ten win season. But in order to win mm-hmm. championships, what I told the person is you have to win recruiting. And I'm not saying number one. Mm-hmm. You have to have solid top ten recruiting classes for a few years in order to get mm-hmm. talent. Talent wins championships. Yep. I mean, it's not complicated. Yeah, no, you're right. No, you're, you're exactly right. You're 100% right. I mean, if a team is not a good recruiting team, then if, if they're not – uh, if they're not recruiting well at all, then they're not they're not going to win anything. They're not going to go anywhere. I mean, like you said, this whole BCS era, we've seen it. The teams that have won championships, Florida State, Auburn, LSU, USC, uh, these are, Texas, these are all teams that recruit really, really well, 
Um, they all have top ten, top five recruiting classes. I mean, I, I don't know why somebody would say recruiting doesn't matter. It does matter. You need good coaching to go along with it, obviously, because look at uh, your Oklahomas exactly. who always have great recruiting classes. They've won national championship, but they still have one. The Ole Misses and teams like that that are in the top 25 in recruiting don't win championships. Yeah, and, and you, you saw a good example of what you're talking about, Gene Chizik. I mean, a great recruiter, his staff, but they couldn't develop players. And, and you know, they got the mm-hmm. talent in there, and they had some, some seniors from Tuberville and all this, and Cam Newton came in. Mm-hmm. It was a perfect storm. But after that, Auburn was top five in recruiting or whatever, and they just were three and nine. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you, don't, you don't have that kind of talent. And then you have to look at the coaching, and that's what happened. You're not developing these players. You have to develop. That's a part of it. But the main thing, you can develop all the one and two stars you want, but you're not going to win championships with those type of players. you got to get the mm-hmm. four and five. You have to hit home runs in recruiting, and you have to bring them along. Mm-hmm. And I just can't believe I was in a debate with someone about that. That's what made me scratch my head a little bit. I'm looking at recruiting right now. I see Alabama one, A&M two, Clemson three, South Carolina four, Penn State five, Auburn six, Notre Dame seven. You know, you see teams like that. Those are teams consistently that are mm-hmm. – recruiting very well, and they could win a championship because of the mm-hmm. past years, past four years, whatnot. But uh, recruiting is very important. Everybody out there listening that, that you don't follow recruiting because you don't believe in the star rankings, you're crazy. Alabama's dominant right now because, yeah, they have good coaches, but they have the best talent. And if you can mix mm-hmm. it like Malzahn to me, you know, Alabama has more talent than Auburn. But I think the coaching, mm-hmm. the way the way their system is, it's, it's better than Alabama's. So they're able to beat them, and I think going to be able be able to outperform them in the next few years. So I don't know. I just hate debating mm-hmm. with people that 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 really doesn't make sense to me. So just wanted to throw that right. out there. I see Trump still in the studio right now, but he hasn't come in yet. And uh, going to basketball real quick. NCAA mm-hmm. is opening an investigation up with North Carolina. What do you think about Again. that, Jonathan? Is North Carolina in some trouble? Um, not from what Rasheed McCant said, because like a lot of former NBA players, actually good NBA players at the college said, they were giving you bogus classes. Really? Because I had to earn my degree, and I was ten times the player you were. Um, so do I think University of North Carolina is going to face some sort of a sanction? Probably. They're probably going to get slapped with something. But do I think the whole world's coming to an end? No. Um, I honestly don't. I, I think a lot of these players, and you'll, and you'll notice this anytime, anytime there's a scandal with the university, it's always the players that didn't make it to the pros that open their mouths. Always. Because they're looking for money. Well, yeah, those are always the whistleblowers that, that now they can make it to the pros. They, they they suck. They're broke now. They're trying to get some attention. They're trying to sell a story. But, hey, look, if North Carolina did this, and it looks like they did, letting these players take these classes just escape, uh, they they deserve to be some punishment. I've always told you I didn't like Roy Williams, didn't I? <laughs> You've never said that you enjoy the man's presence. Exactly. It was something about the guy. He's a used car salesman. Here he is in North Carolina. And my question is, is it going to cost him his job? Um, you know, it's a really great question because the team's been kind of underperforming. It's not like he, he developed the dynasty while he was there. And, and it's funny because the Lakers called Roy Williams and said, hey, you want to come be a head coach? And he said, no. 
So if Roy is gonna, if Roy obviously is either a delusional and thinks that this doesn't, this isn't gonna cost him his job, or b he's already been told, look, you're locked in. Don't worry about it. Leave on your own terms. Yeah, I think it it could cost him his job. I I really think it could. And I think and it's speaking of jobs, what do you think about Texas AD has to resign? In football, I mean, he's sitting there. They're they're saying either resign or you're fired. It's the AD, right? Battle oh, is that the oh. AD or the president? Yeah, I think it's the, I think it's actually the president. Yeah, I thought that was strange. Um, it's interesting how you know when we get to this time of the year and you're like, okay, we should expect no news from college sports. Baseball's over, soccer's over, football's over. I mean, there's what, what college sports going on right now? Track and field, cross country, maybe. I mean, so what you're expecting is, like, no news coming out. You know, everything's going to be, you know, quiet, hunky-dory. You're not going to hear any problems. And then all of a sudden things like this pop up, and you just you, you stop and you pause. You're like, well, what the hell's going on there? I mean, obviously something had to have happened. You, doesn't, you don't just get forced out um, because, you know, every, you know you're, you're a great citizen and all-American. So he obviously did something there. Yeah, there's something. Texas is, I mean, they're not playing around right now. It's just like they, they, they're going for people, firing them, getting them out of here. It looks like they're trying to to clean house over there. I'm not saying that, like uh-huh. Charlie Strong, great football coach, replacing Brown. But it was time for Brown to go. They got rid of him. Now it could be time for this cat to go. They're getting rid of him. But I just want to throw that out there. But, hey, I have some interesting stats tonight. You know, the college football playoffs coming up, and this is what everybody wants to talk about. This is all you hear about, Jonathan, and I love it, mm-hmm. is this four-team playoff. But I want to read some stats to you. Let them sink in, then I'll get your comments mm-hmm. in just a moment. Uh, okay. All right, here we go. Throughout the first six or the 16 years of the BCS, at least one SEC team would have made the playoffs 13 times. Over 81% of the time. The only years an SEC team wouldn't have been in the 14 playoff was 2000, 2001, and 2005. In five years, 2006, 8, 11, 12, and 13, the SEC would have had multiple teams in the playoffs. So we're talking about a 14 playoff that I had two. Alabama mm-hmm. would have made the playoffs five out of the last six years. Now think about that. Mm-hmm. Alabama, five of the last six years that have been in a 14 playoff. That's domination. And then 2011's rematch would have happened anyway, as Alabama and LSU were clearly the two best teams in college football. So I think Alabama would have played Stanford, Oklahoma State would have played LSU, and it would have probably been the same result. So a lot of people out there are talking about, you know, this is not the committee, Jonathan. This is not the committee, and we're not factoring that in. This is just BCS ranking. So Mm Looking at that picture, is that going to have any kind of impact on the committee? How is the committee going to differ from what we've seen so far out of the BCS? Oh, I think the com- the committee adds a little bit of a human element to it. It's that whole, you know, we're wa- actually watching them on film or watching them during the game, so we actually know what they look like. It's not that whole Florida uh, 2012, yeah, year before last year. Um, where they got, where they were like a fluky eleven and one team. Um, you know, you kind of looked at them and said, "How are you guys eleven and one?" I think that's what the committee's there for is those kind of teams. But honestly, I think the BCS rankings you're going to see them hold quite true through most of this. I just find those stats. Alabama five out of the past six. That's that's impressive. 
Um, that really is. And you're right, the SEC, is, is, there have been multiple, you know, most of the time there's a team there. And I just find it amazing how, you're, you know, you bring up there, there are multiple years where there would have been two teams. Uh, and, and you just kind of shake your head and go, well, I'll be. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's something special right there. You don't, you know, that, that doesn't – and those are numbers that you, you just pop out of the top of your head and say, oh, well, you know, I, I you know, thought somewhere. No, no, these are actual statistics. And that's the most amazing part about it. It, 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 it obviously shows the SEC is arguably the most dominant conference in college football. But, Jonathan, is it going to be caught? I mean, you saw Auburn lose to Florida State. That doesn't mean the SEC is not the best conference as, as a whole. But what's it going to take, and which conference is going to be the one to push the SEC out of the number one place? Uh, the ACC, because Florida State's going to win the next ten championships. No, no, let me be uh, realistic for a second. Um, I mean, I, I, <laughs> honestly, I, the if Texas and Oklahoma – if their coaching staff can, um, you know, develop the talent that they bring into the program, they could make a push. Same thing with the Big Ten when you have Ohio State, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Penn State, uh, Michigan. You know, those five schools get an awful lot of talent if they can develop them. So that's a big if, if they can develop them. The Pac-12, I mean, USC, Oregon, Stanford. I mean, I just don't know if there's another conference outside of possibly the Big Ten. Because I think the Big Ten has, still has the prestige factor. They still have the name. When you look at the ACC, as much as I want to say the ACC is going to be that, is going to be that conference, well, Florida State and Clemson are really the only two that have any sort of a prestige factor to them. Um, you, don't, you, know, you don't hear about the North Carolinas, North Carolina State, and Maryland when it comes to prestige in the ACC, which is sad because in the early 2000s, it seemed like the ACC was going to be a very dominant conference. Um, but it just it fell completely off the map when Florida State uh, started to take that nosedive, and then Maryland and Miami came in and took a nosedive right away. So I don't know. I, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. I'm excited. Okay, I've been wanting to play off for a long time, and to finally get one, I'm stoked. That's an extra game of college football, baby. Yeah, I'd just like to go back in time to see what it looked like. Look at last year's. I mean, how good would this have been? Just say in the Orange Bowl, Florida State played Michigan State in the first semifinal, the second semifinal out in Pasadena, Auburn played Alabama. Could you imagine Iron Bowl <laughs> rematch out west in Pasadena? I think California would have exploded almost. They couldn't handle the Bama and Auburn fan nation coming down there. And, and my question, how many fans uh-huh. would actually travel to that? How many fans would travel? After watching the Iron Bowl, how many would travel to Pasadena to watch it? I think a lot would. After the ending of that oh. Iron Bowl, I think you'd have – I know, you'd have a <laughs> – it would have been amazing. But I don't know if I want to see that as an Auburn fan, as a tradition person, to play the Iron well, Bowl. Okay, you, you beat Alabama once, and now you got to go beat them again. That's that's tough. I mean, who who beat Nick Saban two times in a row, back-to-back? What, what, and that's why – I. What, I hate bringing this up, but the 1996 National Championship, University of Florida beat us in the, the Skull Brothers in the, in the Sugar Bowl, 52-20. That season, we had already beaten Florida. Our very next game was Florida again. Yeah, I mean, that, that, I, you know, I remember that's why I that, that National Championship. I remember, I remember you breaking the back of Danny Werfel. I mean, y'all killed yeah. him in Tallahassee. I mean, you just beat right, him, beat the break Florida. 
Right, and my thing was, how did we end up playing Florida a second time, back-to-back? We wound up playing them back-to-back, and people were like, well, if you're clearly super, the superior team, you beat them two <laughs> times in a row. Okay? Even the NFL, but this is college football, folks. A little bit different. Even the NFL, it's hard to beat somebody back-to-back. We're talking two top three teams. You're telling me that a two top three teams, you're going to win the clearly superior teams in a little back-to-back. They're top three. It's number one and number three. You're talking about two of the best teams in the land. There's nothing clearly superior about that. That year we were supposed to play Arizona State in the Rose Bowl, but the Rose Bowl committee said, mm, no, we want Ohio State more tradition. Thanks, thanks for that. That's why I hate Pasadena. But I, that's why I say that's why I think the the committee is going to come and, is going to come in and be a big factor in this because I honestly believe that with those rankings, you know, Florida State, Auburn, Alabama, Michigan State, that top four. And they wouldn't have uh, had Auburn and Alabama play each other in the semifinal. I think they would have split that up. I think they would have made Florida State play uh, Bama, and they would have made Auburn play Michigan State. I honestly believe that because the committee is like you and me, and they understand tradition and rivalries, and they know that what's best for the game would be for if they're going to match up again, let it be in the final, not in a semifinal. Just like the reason why Ohio State, you know, the Big Ten just went under reconstruction of their divisions was because Ohio State and Michigan were in two separate conferences, so they could play each other in the title game, yet they still played each other last week of the year. We had to change that up. You know, Florida State Miami, they can be in separate conferences because they don't play the last game of the year. But Ohio State Michigan too, Alabama-Auburn do. That's why those teams are in the same division in the conference. You know, that's, and that's why I think the committee is going to take that into factor and make sure that, Unless you have three teams from the same conference, which never happened, uh, unless ultimate pandemonium happens, then um, I don't think we're ever going to see that happen. That's why I like the human element in this, because they're going to think that kind of crap out. Well, I think, you know, I'm opposite a little bit in what you said, the way I look at it. I don't think they want two SEC teams in the championship game. Therefore, they would put Alabama and Auburn in the first semifinal to allow one of them only to advance to play their Florida State or Michigan State. That's the way I look at it. They, 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 the, this playoff committee was mm-hmm. formed because LSU and Alabama met in 2011. I'm telling you, that's the reason this committee was formed. And, and, and I'll even take it a step further last year. Just say Alabama would have beaten Auburn and Auburn hadn't lost yet and they were a one-loss team. I don't think Auburn mm-hmm. would have made the four-team playoff. I think Alabama's name – would have gotten them the playoff last year of what they've right. done in the past. But I don't think Auburn would have made it. And so this year, I, I right. think it's going to be hard to get two SEC teams in the playoff. I, I just think it's going to be – I mean, they have to be like undefeated Auburn, undefeated Alabama, you know, the loser of that game. And that didn't didn't play in the West, didn't play in the SEC championship, didn't, you know, they lost one game. I think that would be the only way they would get in. I don't see a one team, one loss team backdooring their way into this playoff. I think Bama might be the only SEC team that's name carries enough weight to where they can backdoor in as uh, yeah. the second team. I mean that you got to take that bias out of it, out of it, unfortunately. And even the computers didn't do that last year. Um, but I mean, it's very interesting how you say that. You know, because of 2011, this is the reason why I went to the playoff committee. Um, and in all honesty, I think the push for playoff committee started with you guys in '04. Um, and it's just kind of – really in 03, I think it's, it, it started rumbling with USC trying to – saying, well, we claim this title as well as LSU. And you're like, no, but okay. Um, 
then I think you guys really made it a push in 04. And then as we started getting down the road, we're like, okay, you know, 06 with Michigan almost getting in. Um, somehow Florida, the, the computers made it so Florida got in. Honestly, I think it took some tweaking for that because Michigan looked like a lock um, to rematch against Ohio State. Then you started hearing, okay, we might actually need a playoff. Then it died down a little. Then 2008 came with Alabama, and you're like, oh, crap, here we go again. Uh, 2009, I mean, with Alabama, you're like, yeah, here we go. And you know, So that's how it just like, kept going and going and going. And you're like, geez, is this ever going to end? Is this going to cease? And you're like, you know what? That's it. We got to do it. Sooner or later, it's going to expand to 16 teams, and everybody's going to whine and complain. Oh, why are we going 16? Because you're going to put every conference winner in it, and then you have you know six at-large teams. I don't know about you, at-large teams. You're talking multiple SEC teams. That's a fact. We're talking about multiple teams from another conference too. So we get to see kind of a conference supremacy, if you will, where you you know last year do a top 16. Who's in the playoffs? Who are those at-large bid? Alabama, uh, Missouri, Clemson. South Carolina, you're like, well, wait a second, that's, that's three SEC teams already. Yeah, but the South obviously is going to dominate. So <laughs> you got to figure this out. This South committee has, has a real work ahead of them. They really do. I, and I'm going to love every second of it. I'm excited. Well, if there was a 16-team playoff, Jonathan, you wouldn't, as a Florida State fan, you wouldn't even be stressed about this upcoming year because you knew as long as you didn't lose more than two games, you're going to be in that playoff. And it's kind of takes the pressure off the fans and the team. You know, if you lose one, this shouldn't be the end of it unless you lose to some one double A team like Florida did last year. But, you know, <laughs> you know, if you lose a game, it should be okay. You know, you lost a game during a heart if you have a tough schedule. But if you lose, if you're an Auburn team and you're 10-2, and two, you didn't make the SEC championship, guess what? You're in that 16 playoff. And that would be, I think, eight's as large as it, as it goes. But it would be exciting, Jonathan, to see a 16 team, though. That would be exciting one time to see. Well, it, you know, it, you say, well, it, you know, not now you open the door. Like I said, there's only six that large spots to go to a 16 team playoff. You got, you, you got, you know, 120 teams essentially battling for the battling for those six spots. You know, you want to take away the out the conference champion. Now that we have 130 teams in Division One football, when did that happen? Um, so it's it's not like the NFL where the top 12 of the 30 get in. It's going to be 16 of 130. <laughs> I mean, 114 teams are not going to make the playoffs that year. You know, it's a it's a percentage game. It really is. The NBA. 16 out of 30 teams make it. And the NHL, 16 out of 30. Baseball, 10 out of 30 make it. You know, it's how you play the percentages. And I think if possible with the 16, you know, you're really nitpicking between two lost teams once you get down to it. You know, te- teams are going to realize we can't lose more than one game. We're on the bubble. You know, and those years where you have multiple one-loss teams that, are, that have to be at large bids, it's going to be really interesting to compare resumes. I, I think a 16 team would be perfect. Can't go any bigger than that. Get your conference champions in there. Even though you all lost, the going to get smoked, okay, by whoever the one seed is, at least let them get a taste. Because you never know when Cinderella is going to happen and Boise State goes on a run, uh, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to see that many. But, I mean, it would be interesting. Eight, I think, to me, honestly, after after we get this fourteen. And there's some controversy. And trust me, Jonathan, this is going to be the most controversial year in college football history Coming up after this, after they get a taste, they might just say, "Hey, let's just let's just move to eight teams and and see how that works." Because there's all this year could be very controversial. I think it will because you have 
the human element, people involved, that's going to be tough for people. And you know, as soon as somebody gets left out, fifth or sixth, they're going to be screaming, "Hey, it's a conspiracy!" You know, it's a conspiracy. <laughs> why is there not Why is there not four SEC teams in this Final Four? I mean, oh, you know, I'm outraged. You know, you, you, I'm telling you, some people will say that. But Jonathan, before we go, anything you want to hit on? Uh, I mean, uh, all-star selections for Major League Baseball is tonight. I'll just say that David Price made his fourth uh, all-star is going to make his fourth all-star appearance. Uh, tying Carl Crawford for the franchise record. Unfortunately, he's probably not going to be around uh, for a fifth one. But, uh, you know, hats off to David. He's been one of the best pitchers in baseball uh, this past month. And, hey, we had the worst record in baseball. We're fighting now. We're right back in this. I'm really, I'm really proud of the resilience my Rays have shown. Yeah, the all-star team. I'm glad to see our plea for the Dodgers finally get on there, Jonathan. I wonder if Colin Coward will shut up now. <laughs> I mean, Puig has deserved it this year. Uh, he he really did. And last year, it, it was it's just very nitpicky. Last year, do you do you put him in? Do you not? I mean, he's a rookie. He only he missed out on a whole month. You know, so technically, he only played like sixty percent of the games. Or somebody else played hundred. I, I get that. I, I got that argument, but uh, it's hard to shut down somebody with those kind of numbers now. But hey, Mike Trout's in it for the third time. Derek Jeter, for some god-awful reason, is starting a shortstop in the American League. And I get it. It's his last Respect. game, but really? Yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. And then Matt Wieters. Here, here, here is why MLB managers want to take voting away from us, the fans. Matt Wieters was voted as the, <laughs> the, um, the starting catcher for the American League. Matt Wieters had Tommy John surgery like three weeks ago and had only played 26 games this year. Really? Really, America? Really? How about how about Nelson Cruz? I, that was I, that on. was an interesting. Uh, fans I mean, Brian Stingle and vote him in. Yeah, and then he has twenty-seven home runs already. Uh, major league lead. I mean, tell me, mm-hmm. he must have laughed and said, "Give me some more juice, let's go." Hey, he just needed a better masking agent. That's all. That's all. At the end of the day, it was. He had a bad masking agent when he got caught. Um, I mean, that's that's all it is. I don't think I don't think he popped hot last year. They just found his name in that book, uh, you know, the the guest log or whatever for for that doctor. So, I mean, obviously, the you know, Nelson Cruz just kind of went, okay, I'm suspended 50 games. Uh, huh, where am I going to be next year? Because I'm dropping bombs. I'm, I'm hitting more home runs. So, it's whatever. I mean. Major League Baseball is his own worst enemy. At the end of the day, they really are. Because they're so damn hypocritical. Chase Utley made the All-Star starting uh, second base. What kind of season has he had? A very good one, believe it or not. Uh, Chase Utley is actually having a very good season. He's hitting over 300. Uh, He's probably been the only consistent bat in the Phillies lineup. Uh, When you're talking about Ryan Howard and Jimmy Rollins, uh, Dominic Brown, Marlon Bird, Jay Sutley's been the most consistent bat. Uh, I mean, he's had a he's had a decent year. I'm, I've, I've actually been impressed with Utley, considering that he's so far up there in age. He's had so many knee surgeries. You're kind of just waiting for his knee to give out, and it hasn't so far. So whatever he's doing, keep doing it. So the All Star Game is next Tuesday, correct? Not this Tuesday, but next Tuesday. Yeah, it's next. Yes, it is. It is next Tuesday. Uh, cause I'll, Tuesday night I will be in Can- I will be at uh, Tropicana. 
Oh, it's in uh, it's in Tampa. No, uh, the All Star Game is in Minnesota this year, which is a beautiful stadium. If you haven't been to Target Field, I do recommend it, and I'm pretty sure if Jason Menson's been there, he would say the same thing. Beautiful stadium, absolutely gorgeous. I'm ready for the home run derby. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I like watching the home run derby, but I like it better when they mm-hmm. were juiced up with steroids. You know, I, I liked it better when you when Sammy Sosa you knew he could bring a court bat or something. You know, just something to make <laughs> it more interesting. So come on, baseball, well, get steroids back in the game. I mean, Giancarlo Stanton's going to be in it this year. All right, Mike Stanton. I know he goes by Giancarlo now, but Mike Stanton is in it this year. Finally, and the boy can drop some bombs. I mean, he, he drops absolute moonshots in regular season games. I can't wait to see how far he's going to hit these ones out. And it's amazing because Target Field's not a home run friendly park. So you have to bring the sluggers in. You're going to have to bring in your, your hard hitters because not a friendly field for home run, for home run hitters. Just ask Joe Maurer, who had like three last season. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> It's going to be great to see you can actually hit them out. I, I just hope that the Major League Baseball home run derby is going to be better than the college baseball one because that one was absolutely nuts. That kid from Texas who won it hit 27 home runs in the final round. I mean, that's what I want to see. The home run derby like that where somebody goes Josh Hamilton on the field and blows it up. Yep, that's what we're going to wait to see. Well, Jonathan, Wednesday night we're going to get into our uh, college football preview. We'll be probably selecting the teams Monday or Tuesday to see what we're going to discuss. And hopefully you can join us Wednesday night and start going over this college football preview. Um, we're not mm-hmm. just going to dig too deep, but we're going to go in and predict some of these games, these outcomes, talk some schedules, and give our predictions before it's all over with, with the final four. I'm tired of hearing these idiots putting Oklahoma in the final four automatically because they beat Alabama. So we'll see what Trey, we'll see what you have. We'll see what I have. But, um, guys, Wednesday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, join us live on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino. Jonathan, thanks for joining me, bud. Have a great week, and we'll see you Wednesday. All right, man. Y'all have a good one now. Night-night. All right. See you, bud.